This is Dave Burnett, and I want to welcome you to today's God's Family Plan podcast. The title of this session is The Passover Paradigm, God's Timeless Household Strategy. Now, the title and concept for this session can be found in Chapter 2 of a book my wife Kathy and I published in 2019 entitled God's Family Plan, Establishing Generational Blessing. This book is available in the rockaware.co, that's rockaware.co online store, and it's also available on Amazon. Now, before I get into the heart of today's podcast, I'd like to make some quick comments. In this session, scripture readings are usually taken from the Amplified Bible, unless I note otherwise. And you may have some questions regarding the suitability of Passover as a topic of study for the modern Christian. Please bear with me. I hope to address most of those concerns as we move through the material in today's session. And as an introduction and to add some context, I'm going to move us through a really, really condensed version of Genesis 1-1 through Exodus 10-29. So let's get started. Now, from the beginning, and actually from before time began, God had a plan. And in the book of Genesis, God began unveiling his plan in time. His plan from before time was implemented in the household of Adam and Eve. Now, as succeeding generations were born, the household of Adam and Eve became a family. And as families multiplied, they became tribes. And as tribes multiplied, they became a nation. In the concluding chapters of the book of Genesis, the focus is upon the household of Jacob, son of Isaac, and grandson of Abraham. As the result of a great famine, Jacob and his household were forced to relocate from their homeland in Canaan into the land of Egypt. The 50th and final chapter of Genesis records the burial of Jacob. Now, moving into the book of Exodus, we find that over a period of more than 400 years, the household of Jacob had grown into what would become known as the nation of Israel, a people so numerous that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, feared them. Now, out of this fear, the Egyptians made slaves of the Israelites and even sought to kill their boy babies. Hearing the cries of the Israelites, God sent them a deliverer by the name of Moses. At Moses' hand, God wrought nine mighty and awful plagues against Egypt as a part of his plan to secure Israel's freedom. Now, it's at the point of a tenth and final plague we enter the story of Passover, the Passover paradigm, and God's timeless household strategy. Now, with that introduction, I want to keep us on track as we move through this session by focusing on the answer to four questions. Question number one is, what is Passover? Question number two is, why should I care about Passover? Question number three is, why should I teach my children about Passover? And finally, what is the Passover paradigm? So what is Passover? Now consider that the first Passover, or Old Testament Passover, was an historical event described in the Bible in the book of Exodus. Now, at this point, I want to encourage you to find time to read the first 12 chapters of Exodus, especially chapters 11 and 12, in order to gain more thorough biblical understanding of the first Passover. Now, my Beacon Bible commentary indicates that there's archaeological evidence 
for the first Passover. And by means of this evidence, Israel's exodus from Egypt, including the first Passover, can be dated at somewhere during the 13th century B.C. Passover is a mighty, miraculous part of history. It reminds us that history really is his story. But did you know that there's an historic New Testament Passover described in each of the Gospels? In Matthew chapter 26, in Mark chapter 14, in Luke chapter 22, and in John chapter 13. And they each tell us about the New Testament Passover that Jesus shared with his disciples in Jerusalem on the eve of his betrayal and crucifixion. Now next, I would like for us to think of Passover as a deliverance strategy. Now, as stated earlier, God sent nine awful plagues against Egypt as a part of his plan to obtain the release of the Israelites from their captivity as slaves. However, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, would not release the Israelites. Instead, Pharaoh's heart grew harder toward them. But God prepared to unleash a tenth and final plague. This plague would bring death to the firstborn of every household in Egypt, including the firstborn of the cattle. Now, while God's plan would bring death throughout Egypt, it provided a special protection for the Israelites. And to initiate this plan, every Israelite head of household was instructed to select an unblemished lamb or goat on the 10th day of the Hebrew month of Abib. Now, as a side note, later in Israel's history, the month of Abib became known as Nisan, and Nisan occurs in a March or April time frame on our modern calendar. Now, the lamb that each household selected on the 10th of the month was to be slaughtered on the 14th of the month, and some of the blood of that lamb was to be placed on the two doorposts and the lintel of the door of their house. The members of the household were instructed to gather inside their house on the evening of the 14th and eat the roasted lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They were to eat this Passover meal prepared to leave on a journey. Now Exodus 12:23 explains, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and where he sees the blood on the lintel or above the entryway, and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to slay you. Now reading on in verses 29 through 32, we find, Now it happened at midnight that the Lord struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. Pharaoh got up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry of heartache and sorrow in Egypt, for there was no house where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Get up, get out from among my people, both you and the Israelites, and go serve the Lord, as you said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said and go and ask your God to bless me also. Israel was delivered from Egyptian slavery because of the blood of a Passover lamb. Next, Passover is a memorial. Exodus twelve fourteen continues God's instruction to Moses and the Israelites. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. 
Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as an ordinance forever. Now, if you examine the root of the word used for memorial in this passage, you will say that a memorial is a place or thing that is marked or set aside to help us remember. Passover should cause us to remember God's plan and his mighty acts in delivering his covenant people from their bondage in Egypt. Now, in verses 26 and 27 of Exodus chapter 12, we find that Passover is also a teaching tool. When your children say to you, what does this service mean to you? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our house. Now, we'll revisit this verse later in this session. And so the lessons we learn from history are important lessons. These are lessons that allow us to advance from one generation to the next, building on the revelation and success of generations past. Now, I believe this relates to 2 Corinthians 3.18, where the Apostle Paul speaks of being transformed into the image of the Lord progressively from glory to glory. I believe that Passover offers us a lesson from biblical history that every believer needs to learn. Passover teaches us how to move beyond the snares that have trapped past generations. It teaches us how to move in obedient faith to secure our freedom and advance toward our promise of inheritance and destiny. And with that, we'll move to our next question. Now, what we've learned so far comes predominantly from the Old Testament. You may be tempted to ask, how can anything about Passover be relevant to me as a Christian today? Why should I care about Passover? So in response, allow me to answer a question with a question. And that question is, what would Jesus do? Now, if you're a student of the New Testament, you should already understand that Jesus, the apostles, and the early church celebrated Passover. And I believe we ought to imitate Jesus by remembering and honoring Passover. But the Apostle Paul, an apostle to the first century Gentile church, goes even further. 1 Corinthians 5-7 in the New King James Version tells us, For indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Jesus is our Passover. Verses 7 and 8 in the J.B. Phillips New Testament says it this way, We Christians have a Passover lamb sacrificed for us, none other than Christ himself. So let us keep the feast with no trace of the yeast of the old life, nor the yeast of vice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of unadulterated truth. And so I want to ask you to consider that prophetically Passover has always been about Jesus. Although Passover was an historical event in the Old Testament, it also served as a prophetic type or shadow of Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, according to John one twenty nine. Incidentally, Jesus, our Passover, was crucified on Passover. Now, many decades ago, I learned this little rhyme. The old is in the new contained, and the new is in the old explained. As we study and meditate on the Old Testament story of Passover, Holy Spirit can use this narrative to unlock insight into God's plan of salvation, our deliverance from slavery to sin, and the deep meaning of the crucifixion of Jesus. Our understanding of Passover should point us to Jesus. 
Uh, next, I'd like for us to consider the meaning of the Hebrew word olam, as found in the narrative of the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, in three separate verses, verse 14, verse 17, and verse 24. So let's look again at what we read earlier in Exodus 12:14. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as an ordinance forever. Now, the Hebrew word for forever in this verse is olam, meaning everlasting. And in order to help you get a feel for the meaning of this word, consider that one of the names of God is El Olam, the everlasting God. In this, I would suggest that we embrace an everlasting remembrance of Passover. However, as 21st century followers of Jesus, we need to put our Passover into a new covenant perspective. We need to view it through the lens of the resurrection and the outpouring of Holy Spirit. The blood of a lamb is no longer needed for our deliverance. However, Passover prophetically speaks to the ability of the blood of the lamb to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Now, we see this in the New Testament sacrament of communion. The Apostle Paul, again speaking to a Gentile church in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26, offers the following instruction. For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, and I want to remind you that that night was Passover, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is, or it represents, my body, which is offered as a sacrifice for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, I encourage you to take time later to read these words as Jesus spoke them in Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, and Luke chapter 22. Now, looking now to John's gospel, John 6.53 in the Living Bible, it offers a powerful statement made by Jesus regarding his blood and his body. So Jesus said it again, with all the earnestness I possess, I tell you this, unless you eat the flesh of the Messiah and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. This is an invitation to communion. Our New Testament celebration of communion is taken from Jesus' Passover table on the night he was betrayed, before he was ultimately crucified. The elements of communion testify to Jesus, our Passover lamb. Kathy and I use matzah as the unleavened bread of communion. Matzah illustrates the markings of Jesus' bruises and his piercing. As found in Deuteronomy 32:14 and elsewhere, the wine of communion is also known as the blood of the grape. Now, communion is not intended to be a religious ritual. As I read from the Amplified Bible, it is an affectionate remembrance of Jesus. You can take communion anytime and anywhere you want to affectionately remember Jesus. Kathy and I often take communion at home, just the two of us. Now remember, communion is taken from Jesus' 
Passover table. But what do I need to teach my children about Passover? Well, let's once more examine Exodus 12, 24 and God's instruction to Moses and Israel. You shall observe this event concerning Passover as an ordinance for you and your children forever. Notice the words, and for your children. God included children in Passover. And don't forget what we read in verses 26 and 27 earlier. When your children say to you, what does this service mean to you? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. When your children see and hear you honoring Passover, you need to be prepared to answer their questions. It's an awesome teaching moment. Take advantage of it as an opportunity to teach them about a mighty, awesome, miraculous, delivering God who is more powerful than any superhero. Teach them about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. Teach them about communion. But more than a teaching moment, it can ultimately become an evangelistic opportunity to lead them into a relationship with Jesus. And for all the reasons we've covered on the previous topic, communicate your heart to your children. In your heart, why do you care about Passover? Let your heart speak as you and your children share in remembering the lessons of the first Passover and the good news of Jesus, our Passover. Just as a side note, it's best if both parents share in this. However, if you're raising children as the only believing parent, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. I don't have time to teach on that today. However, if you're a single parent or have an unbelieving spouse, this passage is worthy of your in-depth study. And with that, we move to our fourth and final question. What is the Passover paradigm? Now, in the Old Testament, Passover on the evening of the 14th of Abib or Nisan, households gathered around a lamb. And in this, they gathered by household in homes that were protected by the blood of a lamb. Moving to the New Testament, in Matthew eighteen twenty, Jesus tells us, For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for household is baith or bait, spelled in English as B-E-T. But interestingly, bait is more than just a word or a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Bait is also a number. Bait represents the number two. So where two or three are gathered together in my name sounds a lot like a household to me. And Jesus, our Passover lamb, is in the middle of their gathering. So as post-resurrection believers, Passover serves as a type, prophetic picture, or a paradigm for our foundational gathering and worship strategy, gathering as households, parents and children, gathering as households around the Lamb, gathered in homes that are protected by the blood of the Lamb. Gathering as households in the Old Testament did not void the value and benefit of Israel's worship as a congregation at their appropriate times, nor does it void our need to gather congregationally. But as in the beginning, God's timeless strategy, 
before there was any such thing as the law, had its origin in the household of Adam and Eve. God's timeless strategy for deliverance, destiny, and inheritance continues to have its foundation in households of faith today. And so God wants to awaken us to a new covenant revelation of this timeless household strategy. But this is not only God's plan to bring deliverance to households, but to bring deliverance to nations as the product of our household gathering. Passover is God's plan to empower households to bring forth national deliverance household by household. And that is the Passover paradigm. Now I'm going to close today with this scripture from Revelations 5.12. Worthy and deserving is the Lamb that was sacrificed to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so I decree generational blessing over each of you and your household. In the name of the resurrected Lamb of God, Jesus our Lord. Amen.